Victory Midtown, how y'all feeling this morning? If you are not alive in Christ, you are dead right now because that worship was absolutely wonderful. Uh, I'm so glad to have the opportunity to be here with you today. Can we do us a favor real quick and just look back at that camera? Let's welcome all those who are watching by live stream today. Give it up for them. We see you. Welcome to the service today. Well, I'm excited today because we are in this series called The Way. And as you see, even on that bumper, we're in this theme where we're kind of taking a walk with Jesus, trying to really see what is it that Jesus says, what is it that he does, how do we model after those things. And I want to encourage you, if you have not heard or watched the last two services, the first two services of the series, I want you to go back and do that because we set foundations and we go each step, we go a little bit higher, we go a little bit deeper. And just for a quick recap, I want to just remind us of that first week Pastor Johnson ministered about how we will walk in the way. And he really challenged us because all of us are in either three places of life. He said we're either on the shore, we're on the shallows, or we're in the deep. And what he said is that a lot of times most Christians, most people spend all their time on the shore, spend all our time where it's safe, There's no challenge. There's no one pushing us. We're not stepping into new dreams, new visions. We're just comfortable. And in the shallows, yes, you step out a little bit deeper, but in the shallows, you're kind of in that in-between land. In the shallows, you're kind of in that, okay, I'm going to step out here. I'm going to get a little wet, but I'm going to stay a little dry. You're actually a little bit miserable. When things get a little tough, you can still kind of go back to the shore. But what we want to do, what we're endeavoring to do is to walk, to live, to stand in the deep to make sure that we all are taking that next step, taking that challenge that God has for us to walk into the deep. And then on last week, I took it a next next step further, and I ministered on the way of purpose, the way of purpose. And if you weren't here, if you've never heard me say this before, I want you to write this down because this is a key tenet for your life. And what I said was that purpose produces precision. Purpose produces precision. And what I mean by that, is that when you know your purpose, when you listen to what God says, when you receive that which he's put purpose in your life, it gives you guardrails. It makes you focus. It allows you to know where I should go and where I should not go. And today we're going to take one more step further. And I want to just encourage you, if you are uh, using your YouVersion Bible app, you can follow us with the notes by hitting more events and then Victory Midtown. And I want to encourage you to do that because uh, the first service was pretty lit. For those who don't know what that means, it was exciting. It was great. We had a great time in the first service. And what I realized is that I may not necessarily go into every single thing that I said or even that I have prepared to say. And I want to make sure that you get all the foundation of the message and the word that we're walking through. Now, as I prepare for this message, I really asked the Lord, what is it that you want us to receive from this message? What is it that you want Victory Midtown to take away? What is it, for those who are watching by live stream on YouTube and on Facebook and who will watch this on a replay, what is it that you want us to get? And immediately, without delay, God just kind of whispered and kind of flashed this scripture in my mind. It was Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. And as we look at this, I want you to hear this. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, it says, There is a way that appears to be right. But in the end, it leads to death. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And the reason I feel like the Lord kind of just put that in my mind is because what he said to me next, actually I said to myself, I said, Lord, what are you saying? And then I said, self, 
I kind of speak to myself sometimes. I'm not schizophrenic, but I kind of speak back to myself. I say, self, I believe that here at Victory Midtown, for those who will hear this message, there are many people who have only seen one way. There are many people that are walking in the way of death, and they don't even know they're walking in the way of death because they've never seen life model. And today, this is what I want you to do. I said this last week, but God is doing something very special. I want you to really hear from my spirit more than you even hear my words. Because today, even as I woke up this morning, I woke up with a burden in my heart. I woke up with, a, with an affirmation in my mind saying, there is something that God wants to do. He wants to move us from one place of being stagnant to a place of constant movement. And the only way that we can do that if we, is if we take hold of what we're going to talk about today. So as we lean into this, I want you to hear me. I want you to be very attentive. Even throughout the message, I'm going to slow down a little bit on some of these scriptures because I don't want this just to be rhetorical. I want you to hear it. I want you to take it in, and I want it to sink in. Amen? So as we're looking at this, as we're taking this journey, I was reminded of how even when I was in school, when I was in college, some of y'all have heard me talk about this before. When I was in college, I used to pick spiritual fights. I used to pick spiritual fights because in college, when I first got saved, you know, when you first get saved, you're like super on fire. You're blazing. You're like, I don't care what you have to say. If you're not all in, you're all out. You know, I used to be the one yelling out the window when I saw people doing stuff on the yard and stuff like that. I'm like, you going to hell? Some of you are like, yeah, you were crazy. Yeah, I was a little crazy. But what I remembered is that when I went through that season of my life, I started to settle in and understand that you're not going to win people to Christ being obnoxious like that. Not saying that I had to compromise, but I had to learn how to talk to people. And what I realized is as I started to talk to people and started to share the gospel, there were some people who always just wanted to argue with you. There were some people who didn't believe what you believe, and they're going to argue. And what I learned, a quick lesson came to me. I learned that if people don't actually believe the first four words of the Bible, they will never believe anything else that is said. What are the first four words of the Bible? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. If you don't start there, if you don't believe, if I can't kind of get you in agreement right there, we don't have to have a conversation. I'm just going to have to live my life and let you see how I exemplify the gospel. But as I walked through that and I saw that there were certain people who didn't receive that, there is also this foundational tenet of Christianity or this foundational tenet of being a person of the way that we're talking about that we must grasp. And this tenet that I'm going to talk about today, this is a tenet that if you don't receive it, you can operate in religion, but you'll never operate in true relationship. This tenet that I'm talking about, you can actually go to church and, and read all the scriptures and lift your hands, but you'll never walk in the abundant life of what God has for us. So as we're walking through this, I want us to know, just as I said last week, the way, being a Christian, being a disciple, it is not simply a belief system. If you're taking notes, that might even be something for you to write down because this is something for us to grab. The Christianity that we live today, it is not just a belief system. It has to be a way of life. It has to be a pattern of life. It has to be a conviction that we don't turn it on and turn it off, that we're not operating in selective discipleship but we're walking and we're leaning into what God has for us, even when it's challenging. So as we look at this, I want to give us a little foundation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, many of us see this scripture as the love scripture, where Paul starts to give us foundation of what love looks like. 
But he also gives us some different insight here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, let's go down to verse 13, Paul says this, and now these three remain. He's talking about all the different things that come with being a disciple. He says, and now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Follow the way of love. Now, I said love many times. I'm not going to be talking about love today. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to talking about hope. But today, what Paul is saying, he says, there is a way of faith. There is a way of hope. And there is a way of love. But today, we're going to deal with the way of faith. The way of faith. And I just really believe that the reason why God has really put this on my heart is because I believe people are walking around with a false image of faith. There are a lot of people who call themselves Christians, call themselves believers, but we're not really tapped into what faith really is. And the reason why we're not tapped into what faith really is is because you can't tap into what you really don't understand. You can't receive what you don't really know what it actually means. And so as we look at this, I want to kind of just start and just give us a foundation and actually debunk some things and say what faith is not. Is that okay? Number one, faith is not positive affirmations. Some of y'all are like, you just messed me up right there. I'm getting up and I'm leaving. Faith is not positive affirmation. It's not, if it's up to me, if it's going to be, it's up to me. It's not those type of things. Faith is not a hopeful attitude where you just think everything is good and you just kind of make sure that you ignore the things that are going on. Faith it's not an emotion where you think yourself happy, where you feel these goosebumps and you feel these butterflies going in your stomach. Faith, watch this, it is not an ignoring of the facts of life. Somebody right there agrees with me. You, you know those people. They just act like, you know, nothing is going on. You know, they have a temperature of 105 and they say, I'm not sick. That's foolishness. Faith is not ignoring the facts. Faith is being able to know that even in the midst of the facts, I can dig into the truth. Faith is understanding that we are walking in a world where we're faced with some mountains. We're walking in a world where we're dealing with some things. We're walking in a world where even in this room, some of you have actually experienced great loss in the last six days. Some of you, your jobs are on the fritz. Some of you, your family relationships are out of control. And it's not faith just to act like that's not happening. Faith is saying, I see what's happening in the natural, but I have a deeper conviction in my spirit that's going to trump that. So as we're walking through this, I want you to grab this. I want you to let you know what faith actually is. Number one, faith is a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God. It's something he gives us because he wants us to be able to walk in the fullness of what he's ordained. Number two, faith is the confidence that what God promises in his word is true and that he will do what he has promised. Can I slow that down real quick? Can you just look at that on the screen? Can you receive that right now? Because I understand that for some of you, even as I'm starting to say this, you're saying you don't know what I've been through this week. For some of you in here, you're saying, yes, I put on my church mask today. Yes, I have my physical mask on. But when I leave here, I'm still going to have a mask on because I don't really want to show that I'm hurting right now. And God is saying, if you can grab this, that faith is the confidence that what I promise is what it's going to be, that I will do what I said I'm going to do, then you can walk with a very open image of who I am. And then lastly, faith 
Again, as I said, it's not ignoring the facts, but it's rather a conviction about the truth. So here's the thing. Why is it so important? Why am I so excited? Why am I amped today to talk about faith? Because faith is so important that Jesus, he rebuked his disciples three times, even just in Matthew, because they had little faith. The same people that were walking around with Jesus, the same people that saw him turn water into wine. Some of y'all wish y'all had that actual ability. The same way that he healed those who were sick, the same way that he turned a a few uh, loaves of bread and a few fish into thousands is the same thing that he says, I need you to understand that I can do these type of things in your life. But these disciples who walked with him, who saw all of this, they had little faith. And Jesus has said to them, and he's saying it to us, I don't want you to operate in little faith. So here's the key. Faith is a key factor of us living in God's way. And I want to break this down. And here's the part that I really need you just to lean into, to really receive, to read slowly. I intentionally, in this particular verse, a script, a passage of Scripture, left all the punctuality in, left all the brackets in, because I need you to hear this. And this is going to be something that I even want to challenge you that as you go throughout your week to rehearse this, to review this. And this is Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. So as I read this, I'm not going to rush through it. I'm going to read it because I want it to sink in right now. So let's start. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the first two words. It says, now faith. Now faith. Now faith faith. That's going to be important a little bit later, so remember that. Now faith. It goes on to say, now faith is the assurance, title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. For by this kind of faith, the men of old gain divine approval. By faith, that is, with an inherent trust, with an inherent trust, with an inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness of God. We understand that the worlds, the universe, the ages were framed and created, formed, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are not visible." I know that's a lot right there, but I need you to take it in. What it's saying in all, that, all those words is that faith is actually something that formed everything that you see. The invisible faith is what actually has formed what you're able to tangibly take hold of. But here's the part that I really want you to grab. This verse 6, this is the key. This is the hinge point of everything we're going to talk about today. But without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, faith, there's no access to being near with God. Without faith, you may have been wondering, why do I feel a little distant from God? It may be because we have not been really walking in faith. So as we look at this, I want you to know, again, it says now faith, which means faith is actively trusting God. Can you write that down? Faith, it's not passive. It's an action word. It is actively trusting God, which means, just like I said last week, we have to ask ourselves the question, every decision I make, am I operating as a sure decision? 
Is this a shallow decision or is this a deep end decision? We have to operate actively pushing in our faith. Hebrews 11 and 6, where it shows us, it says faith is the access key to enter into fellowship with God. So if you actually want to receive what God has for you, we have to activate our faith. So as we walk through this, listen to this quote by Charles Price. He says, genuine scriptural faith is not our ability to count it done. You've heard those people, they say, count it all done. It's not just that, but it is the deep consciousness divinely imparted to the heart of man that it is done. That it is done. It is the faith that only God can give. My wife and I, we were talking, and she said something the other day, and she said, let's hope that this happens. And I said, no, no, no. We're going to operate as it is already done because we're walking in faith. And for some of us, we've been holding back so long because this is what we've been doing. We've been operating in this good thing called hope. And what you've done is you've hit the glass ceiling thinking that, why is this not happening? It's because hope is for the future and faith is now. The reason why some things are on hold is because faith is for right now. But some of us, y'all remember this, you've had your faith on layaway. I know we don't know what that is these days, but if you grew up like I grew up, we had a little layaway. Some of y'all have put your faith on layaway when God is saying, hey, you need to take that access right now. And as we walk through this, I want us to grab this because Faith in just a few words. If you, if you want to forget everything I just said in that long scripture, write this down. Faith is simply true confidence that God is God. Faith is true confidence that God is God. So as we walk through this, I want to just give us two areas where we engage in faith. I know a lot of times we're used to the three points in a poem. I want to give us two points. And what we're going to do, we're going to talk about the vertical engagement of faith and the horizontal engagement of faith. Number one, the first thing that we have to understand if we're going to walk this walk of faith is that we have to understand that I have to have faith toward God. I have to have faith toward God. That might sound simple to you, but I'm going to unpack it in a moment. Here it is. Here's the revelation. Here's the key that we have to grab. Faith is the contact point between God and in humanity. Faith, even if you see this image right here, faith is where I have a contact point with God, where while I'm right here dealing with natural things on earth, I have an opportunity to touch heaven because faith is the place where we actually clash. Faith is the place of convergence. Faith is the place where when things look a little bad, you can say, hey, I know what it looks like, but God, I know what you said. So as we're looking at this, let's operate in a converging point of faith because, again, faith is us reaching out to God saying, I trust who you are, you said you're going to do it, and I know it's already done. I know who you are, I know what you said, and I believe that I counted as done. So as we're looking at this, here it is. We have to start with first things first because as we walk this thing and understand that we have faith towards God, there's foundational things that we have to understand that I'm not going to run past. In Hebrews chapter 6, the writer of Hebrews, he tells us about, or she tells us about, what the foundational thing looks like for us to actually walk this thing of faith. Chapter 6, verse 1, it says it like this. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith towards God. Faith 
towards God. Here it is. The foundation of our relationship with God is based on us realizing that we could not do this on our own. The foundational basis of our relationship with God and operating our faith is an understanding that we have dead works if we operate in our own strength. That Jesus, through him only, through him alone, he is the connective tissue that allows us to engage in faith. Because if we don't have that, this is what is called dead works. Dead works. If we're operating in dead works, what we're doing is we're doing a lot of labor, not getting any results. And I believe right here at Victory Midtown, we have a lot of go-getters in here. We have a lot of grinders. We have a lot of hustlers. But here it is. You can do all the hustling you want. You can have turn-up gear all day, and you won't get any fruit from this life if you're operating those dead works without Christ. So as we're walking through this, here it is. We need to operate in saving faith as a foundation, which has a key ingredient called repentance. I know you've heard this before. See, repentance, we always hear that, and the first thing that comes to our mind is that you're just a person full of sin. Yes, that means that, but repentance is not just stopping doing something wrong. I had somebody hit me on my, on my wall on Facebook this week, and they said, Pastor Mo, one of the greatest things you ever said, and you challenged the congregation of Victory Midtown, was that you are not going to be a pastor. You are not going to be a shepherd that sees people walking off the ledge to hell while you're just patting them on the back in apathy. And the reason why is because I have a responsibility. Not only do I have a responsibility, I have a passion to see you get this. I have a passion to see you walk in everything that God created you to walk in. That even when you thought that the the cards were against you, even when you thought that you couldn't do it, even when you thought that you believed the lie that somebody told you at five years old, you can now walk in the newness that God has for you because you're not going to walk in dead works. But you have to repent. Now, what is repenting? Repenting, again, it's not just stopping sinning. Repenting is I'm going one way, I'm walking, I'm taking this journey, I'm going about my business, and then I stop. It's a stopping, but it's not just a stopping. It's a stopping, then it's a turning, and it's a reaching. Come on, let me say that one more time. When you repent truly, it's a walking where you stop, you turn, and then I'm going to reach towards God. That felt kind of good to me. It's when you stop, you turn, and you actually reach toward God. A little pop block going on. So as we're walking this thing out, listen, you can stop sinning and still be on your way to hell. Because if you don't actually reach for God when you stop sinning, what you'll do is you'll just think that this is a self-help gospel. You'll think that it's up to you. You'll think that you can just actually control these things. And God is saying, no. I want you to receive the fullness of this life of repentance. I want you to walk in the fullness of faith. So as it says right here, here it is. Here's the key. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says it like this. There is no one else who has the power to save us, for there is only one name. What's that name? Come on, y'all act like y'all don't know that name. What's that name? There is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, and that name is Jesus. That name is Jesus. That name is Jesus. I know in a contemporary church, we don't call on the name of Jesus that much like we used to, but I say at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow and every tongue has to confess. 
At the name of Jesus, demons have to flee. Yeah, there are real demons. At the name of Jesus, you receive your healing even when you're sick. At the name of Jesus, you can step into the supernatural by the power of God. So at the name of Jesus, when we understand that he's given us this power, he's given us this ability, he wants to allow us to match with him in faith, but we have to make sure that we understand that he's the only one that can save us. When I think about that, I think about a story that about several years ago, I remember going on vacation. I think it was actually like a Labor Day weekend. This was probably about 12, 13 years ago. I was with one of my buddies, and he had this, this lake house, and we went to the lake, and they had this little speedboat down at the bottom of the lake. And I remember saying, okay, hey, we've been having a good time. We've been having fun, but I need another level of fun. If you don't know me, if you can't tell, I got a little bit of a, a habit of being a little bit of an overachiever of doing a bit much, of stepping out of bounds. My wife said, yes, amen. So in this moment, what I did is I said, I want to go out on the lake. Now, I said, okay, I have my cell phone, so I'm good. So I went out on the lake, and I started riding around, and here it is. I have no experience on being on the water. I have no experience being on a boat, but I figured, okay, I know how to turn it on. I know how to steer it. I'll be all right. What I found myself doing is I took myself out there on the lake, and I said, okay, I'm just going to use my visual sight to actually look at the landmark to make sure I know where I'm going. Mistake number one. So I'm riding out there on the boat. I'm having a good time. And then what I realized, man, this is good. I'm having fun. And then all of a sudden, I looked up, and I said, hey, I think I've gone a little too far. I know Jesus said launch out into the deep, but I don't think he was talking to you about this. And what I found right there is that, okay, I said, hey, I'm just going to call somebody and see how I can get back. I looked at my phone. I'm not going to say what carrier I had, but I don't think anybody would have mattered at that time. I couldn't make a call. So in that moment, what I realized very quickly is I was out there on my own and I was depending on my own self. And what I also realized is that in that moment, I had to actually depend on someone outside of myself. I started to call on the name of Jesus. Yes, I did. I was scared. <laughs> For a while, I was talking to myself, saying, you all right, you all right. Then I was like, no, Jesus, I can't die out here in the lake. I'm not even supposed to be out here right now. And when I actually called on the name of Jesus, there was a calm that came on me. But at the same time, in the natural, there was someone, a ranger came out and said, hey, young man, do you need some help? I said, absolutely, yes. Help me get back to shore. What am I saying? That's funny. We talk about that. What I'm saying is that as I operated in my own strength, as I operated with my own agenda, as I navigated myself into my own excursion and adventure, there came a point where I realized that I was out there on my own and I could not save myself. That if someone didn't show up and save me, if someone didn't show up and guide me back to shore, I would have been a black man missing out there on the lake. And what I'm saying to us is that some of us in this room, we find ourselves in a sea of sin. We find ourselves in a body of water of despair. We find ourselves in a lake of confusion. And we need to just call out to Jesus and say, hey, I can't do this on my own. I don't know how to navigate myself. I lay up my hands and I say, Lord, save me. How many of us have found ourselves out in the middle of nowhere in the spirit? And God is saying, if you'll just throw your hands up and surrender, I can save you. If you'll just throw your hands up and surrender, I can guide you back to shore. I'm here to let us know the only way that we can walk in this saving faith, in this daily faith, is if we give it to God and say, Lord, 
I give it to you. So as we're walking through this, I want you to grab this. We need someone to save us, and his name is Jesus. And this is when we operate in what we call the great exchange. The great exchange. The great exchange where I trade my sin sin nature and I trade it for God's righteousness. Where I trade my ability and I say, Lord, I'm going to touch into your ability. So as we're walking through this, listen, the first thing we have to have if we're going to operate in faith, we have to have that settled. Those who are watching online, we have to have that settled to make sure we know that we can't do this on our own. Here it is, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, for by grace you have been saved. There was grace on me while I was out in that water. There has been grace bestowed on all of us as we have an opportunity to connect with God. By grace you have been saved through what? Come on, Victory Midtown. By grace you have been saved by what? And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one would boast. See, this is a trust that we have to have. And just as a foundational tenet, let me give you this real quick, because again, I, wanna, I don't want to take anything for granted. Repentance has three parts. Number one is that we have to know. We have to know, meaning that we have to understand that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Number two, we have to believe. We have to take what we know and now believe it in our hearts. And then number three, we have to trust. We have to trust that it's already done. Because faith, it really just equals trust. Faith equals a trust that God has already walked it out in us. And it gives us a true reliance of faith. Now here's the thing. The reason why we have to get all these things is because that's what makes it possible for us to say this scripture that we have heard spoken over us so many times. In Romans chapter 1, the Bible says this in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also the Greek, for in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, and as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Does it say the just shall live by fear? The just shall live by positivity? The just shall live by a hope. No, the just shall live by what? Come on, the just shall live by what? The just shall live by faith. So as we understand this, I'm not just talking about this feel-good, self-help, you know, everything's to ourselves. I'm saved, so I'm not worried about anybody else. This is the foundation because God wants to take us from understanding that we have faith towards him to the second part where we understand that I receive authority from God. I shift from just understanding that I have faith towards God to now understanding that I have now received authority from God to now be an extension of what he has done in my life. See, what God wants us to understand through faith, it's not just for us to have positive confessions and to pray things in for our lives. This faith that he wants us to walk in becomes a testimony that God is God in our lives. This faith that he wants us to walk in allows us to walk in the room with a different level of confidence. Not because of how good we eat, not because of how much we work out, not because of what kind of clothes we wear, but we walk into the room with a different kind of confidence. We walk into the room with a confidence that comes from the faith in God. Let me show you something that actually drills this down about the authority that God gives us. As the disciples were walking along this way of faith that we're talking about, they witnessed an encounter between Jesus and a centurion soldier, a Roman centurion. 
And if you don't know what that is, a centurion is someone who had 100 soldiers under his watch. And Jesus shows us something very key in this story. The Bible says this, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. He said, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Now, I don't know about you. If I was back there with him, if I had Jesus, the son of God, I would be like, yeah, come on over to my house, Jesus. Come on, we, need, we, need, we got some food for you. We got some fried fish for you. We got some things going on. Come on over to the house. But the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have, come, to have you come under my roof. But just say the word. Just say the word. Just say the word. And my servant will be healed. For I myself, watch this, for I myself, I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes. And that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, listen to this, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. That passage right there is so packed with revelation. That passage right there is so packed with insight. But this is the thing that I want to bring out. In all of the Bible, in all of Jesus' ministry, he only said, he was only, hmm, this is good for me. He was only amazed two times. I pause right there because what it says is that 32 times in the scriptures that it records where actually people were amazed by what Jesus did. But only two times with all the things he did was Jesus amazed. The first time he was amazed, he was amazed by people's unbelief in his home country. He was amazed. He said, not many great things can I do because of your unbelief. And then the second way that he was amazed, he was amazed right here because this man actually understood authority. See, what Jesus called an understanding of authority, he called faith. And many of us, especially in this modern day that we live in, we don't want to be submitted to anything. We want to make sure we're doing everything on our own. When God is saying authority, when you understand authority, what happens is that you get into the chain of my blessing. What happens when you understand authority is that you get into the chain of the process. Let me say it like this. Years ago when I served at, at my former church at New Birth, I was actually an executive pastor. And so as an executive pastor, when I would step up on the scene, I stepped on the scene with the same power and influence of the senior pastor. I was not the senior pastor, but when I stepped up, people looked at me with the authority of the pastor. So when I would say certain things, they would be able to do those things because they would count it as done as if it came from the top. Here it is. This centurion soldier, what he's saying is that, Jesus, because I see you as God. Jesus, because I know that you represent the Father. Jesus, because I know that you are who you say you are. When you say it, I know God is saying it. And what we have to understand as believers is that this was not just for this man. I want to let you know something. I wasn't even going to do this, but I got to say lean in with me real quick. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Just lean in with me. Just come on. Just put, come forward a little bit. I want to let you know something. You have now, when you accept Jesus, when you accept this faith that we're talking about, you are now entered into this chain of authority. It's not just for the preacher. 
It's not just for the minister. It's not just for the one who has the doctrine and, and the, the credentials behind their, their name. It's for each and every one of you understanding that you have now entered into this place of authority that as God did it, you can actually use what you have from God and actually give it to the world. You have entered into the chain of authority. What this means is that this is the posture that we take, where we have one hand on the, the pulse of God and another hand on the pulse of this earth. Let me say it like this. I want to show you a picture, a, a word picture. How many of y'all know what this is? Some of y'all got beat with this when you were a kid. <laughs> That's not what this is about. This is an extension cord. When you look at this extension cord, by itself, this extension cord has no power. But when this extension cord is actually plugged into a power source, there is something that comes through this extension cord. And then the things that actually plug into the side get the benefits of what's coming through the power through the extension cord. I want to let you know you are an extension cord to the Lord. You are an extension cord. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You are an extension cord to the Lord, and you should be happy about this because now when you actually put yourself in the chain of authority, the power that you have now gets super engaged. What you thought you were able to do, now it gets a jolt of power that you didn't actually create. What I want to challenge you to do is this week, I need you to get with some people and let them know, listen, hey, I'm not arrogant, I'm not overconfident, but I, what I do know is I have one hand on the pulse of God. And as I'm here right here with you, now what you get to receive is a benefit because of that relationship with God. So as we walk in this, we need to understand we have authority. We are an extension of what God has for us. The centurion said, you don't even have to come into my house because I believe it's already done. What did he do? He counted it as done. He counted it as finished. So as we're looking at this, I want you to know this. Your faith posture, sit up in your chair right quick. Those who are watching online, sit up in your chair. Sit up in your chair. This posture that we have is the posture of faith. This posture that we have is not that we're defeated, but that we're strengthened. This posture that we have is not that we are victims, but we are victors. So as we receive this power of faith, we have to believe that faith is for now. Faith is for now. Why am I saying that like that? Because what I really believe, and I alluded to it earlier, is that the reason why some of our prayers haven't been answered, the reasons why we've been operating in defeat, the reasons why we're walking around like beat down saints, is because we've been operating in hope when God wants us to operate in faith. Because here, here it is, watch this, hope is for the future, but faith is for now. And what I believe is that the body of Christ for too long has been letting ourselves off the hook. What am I talking about? You know, we pray those powerful prayers. We pray these things in faith, and then we end the prayer and say, if it be your will, Lord. We pray real heavy. We say, yeah, we believe these, and then we turn back and say, if it be your will. Because just in case it doesn't happen, you don't want to look bad. But here it is. If you know the Word, God's Word is His will. So when you know the word, you no longer have to pray if it be your will because you only pray the word. But here's the thing. We can't do that because most of the body of Christ, we are biblically anorexic. Biblically anorexic, not eating the word, not feeding on the word, not building our faith muscles enough to be able to have confidence stepping and saying, God, I'm not praying in hope. I'm praying in faith. 
And I know you can do it. You are a man of your word. You will never fail. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. So this is the posture that I want us to walk in. Because for too long, we've been just kind of letting ourselves off the hook. But I believe as we impart this word, as we grab this word, as we take this word with us, we will no longer operate in hope, but we will operate in faith. Let me read this last quote to you. I want to give you this. I want you to grab this. Smith Smith Wigglesworth, he was one of the great faith evangelists of his day. He said it like this, there is nothing impossible with God. All the impossibility is with us when we measure God by the limitations of our unbelief. There is nothing impossible with God. That thing that just came into your head where you said, well, you don't know what I'm dealing with, that's not impossible. That thing that you came in here with and you said, man, I'm God, I'm going to give you one more try, it's not impossible. But you have to engage your faith and not operate in hope. Because faith is only evident and distinguished where there's something to put faith towards. Let me say that one more time. Faith is only evident and it's only active when you actually put it towards something that you need faith to move in. So this week, as you're walking through your life, this week, as you're engaging with challenges, because listen, when you leave here, there will be another challenge. I'm not that kind of preacher that says, oh, we went to church and everything's good. No, faith is in the midst of what's going on. I can say, God, I believe what you've already said. So here it is. I want to close with this scripture. Faith is active. And the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, it says, but you... Man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Watch this. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you, were made good, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. My question to you is what do you need to activate your faith towards today? What do you need to give God a faith call instead of a hope call? What do you need to stop begging God for in hope and actually declaring in faith that you're walking in? My question to you is, do you believe that God can move in it? Do you believe that he can actually do what he said he can do? Do you believe that you didn't just come to church to say you felt good for an hour and a half, but you're now having an impartation that you now go having one hand on the pulse of God? And now when I leave out of here, I have another pulse right here in the earth. Let's declare hope as a thing that is for the future, but let's stand on faith that is for now. So this is what I want to do. I want to activate our faith right now. I want you to stand up on your feet as we get ready to close. As you're standing, I want you to understand something. Faith fulfilled comes from a mix of humility and confidence. Faith fulfilled comes from a humility knowing, God, I know I do have some ability, but I know I can't do this on my own. But at the same time, it comes with that confidence that says, Lord, I don't have to do this on my own. Lord, just like the centurion soldier, he knew that you could do it just at your word. So as we're walking through this, some of you, as you're standing here in this moment of faith, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes all over the room. Because some of us, you came in here with something very prevalent in your mind, very prevalent in your spirit. You got to notice this week about something that you need to put faith towards. 
For some of you, you're married and you guys got in an argument. You were uneasy even on your way to church today. For some of you, you're walking into a new dimension of life where you've actually experienced a terrible loss, even in the recent season. And God is saying, hey, I want you to have faith that you can step into your next. And having faith that you will step into your next means that you have to do it right now. You have to step into it right now, understanding that God can do anything but fail. With your eyes closed all over the building, I just want to first pray this prayer over you because I believe there's someone who even as I talked about repentance of stopping, turning, and reaching to God, whether this is a rededication or this is you for the first time saying, Lord, I want to be able to engage in faith, but I need to first engage in life with you. So, Father, even with eyes closed all over the room, I declare that as we turn away from our old ways, as we stop doing those old things, not saying we're going to be perfect, but now we turn and we reach towards you where you can actually empower us to walk in righteousness. God, we thank you for every person who is making a decision to follow you today. We thank you, God, for every person who is rededicating their lives in this divine recalibration that we're walking in as we walk in the way with you. Father, I thank you that salvation is even present in this room, that there are people right now confessing with their mouths, believing in their heart that you are Lord and Savior, that even watching by live stream, there are some, someone who is watching this message that will be able to say, Lord, I receive your forgiveness, and I walk into your righteousness. We thank you for them right now. Right now, all over the room, can you do me a favor and put yourself in a posture of surrender, which is to lift your hands? You might not even get what this is about right now, but I just want you to trust me. I want you to send a signal to your spirit through your body and say, Lord, I surrender. When we pray, we're not going to pray with hope. When we pray, we're going to pray with authority in faith. And as I was preparing this message, there's a psalm that I said I heard in my spirit and I want to read over you with your hands lifted because we need to trust God. Trust equals faith. So hear this over you right now. Psalm 91, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you don't even hurt your foot on the stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. Somebody say it with your own mouth. I trust you, Lord. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with long life and give them salvation. Somebody say amen to that. Come on, with your hands lifted. If you have something in your body that before this service, you came in here and you needed healing, I need you to shoot your hands up high in the air. If you're in here and you had emotional distress in your heart and in your mind before you came in here, I need you to shoot those hands up in the air. If you came in here and you know God made some promises over your life, but you've been beating, being beat down by life, I need you to put both hands in the air right now. There's no shame in the game. 
Faith is not ignoring that things happen. Faith is saying, God, you can handle it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you with lifted hands. These lifted hands that we have, even on live stream, these lifted hands that we have right now is a sign of surrender. These lifted hands that we have right now is a sign that we believe that you are who you said you are. These lifted hands that we have right now say, Lord, we believe that you are a man of your word. Father, these hands that we lift, they're not lifted in hope. We're not holding back saying, Lord, do it one day. We're saying, Lord, we thank you that you're moving right now today. God, I pray healing over every person who has a physical infirmity, a psychological infirmity, an emotional infirmity. Father, I thank you for every chemical imbalance being uh, put in divine order right now. Father, I thank you for every marriage in here right now being healed, delivered, and restored. Father, I thank you that relationships that we have thought that were going down the tube, that are divine relationships, that they receive a renewing right now. Somebody say now. Father, I thank you right now that as you are a man of your word, you can do anything but fail. Because you're a man of your word, we can stand with authority. Because you're a man of your word, we can stand on your promise. Because you're a man of your word, we can say we believe it and that settles it and we say amen. 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 Amen means this is so. Amen means it is so. Amen means yes, God, you did it. I need somebody to say amen. I need you to put an amen in the spirit. I need you to say amen out of your voice. Come on, don't let me be by myself. Amen, God. Amen to what my family is going to look like. Amen to what my finances are going to look like. Amen to the sickness that thought it had me. Amen to my prosperity. Amen to my family coming back together. of God and another hand on the pulse of those you come by. One hand walking with the divine and another hand walking with the earthly. So right now, let's let faith rise up. Whatever you want to do, if you need to lift your hands, if you need to bow on your knees, if you need to open your hands and surrender, the altar is open. God is here. Let's let faith rise up in Jesus' name. Victor.